the Planet Football Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter promo code PLANET at FANDUEL.com for a bonus match of up to $200. We're also sponsored by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal, pay for your ticket, and get to your seat. Download the SeatGeek app and enter our code PLANET for $20 off your first tickets. Every team in MLS is going to be called United or FC. They're all going to wear all white or all red or all black uniforms. And then they're going to come to us and try to tell us that the single entity doesn't exist. Sometimes we think Seattle, Portland, and Vancouver think a bit highly of themselves. But in this case, they understood that you're not not representing the world. You're representing your city. And I think LAFC has some time to sort of rectify this. But right now, I'd much rather have the vision that I got from their ownership than what I'm seeing on social media. Welcome to SI's Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor Avi Creditor, joined today by SI senior writer Grant Wall, SI.com's Brian Strauss. A little bit later, we're going to get into some some talk about uh, the absurdity of CONCACAF preliminary rosters and the millennials of LAFC. Uh, but right now we're, we're joined by a special guest. He's a, he's a guy that definitely likes Chipotle more than you do. He is responsible for some of the best goal celebrations in MLS history and currently leads the league in goals with 20. And that is none other than Kai Kamara. Kai, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks very much for the invite. Great to have you, Kai. Um, one of our favorite interviews in MLS, by the way. Um, Let's jump right into it. I mean, you had two goals the other day. You're at 20 for the season. League record for a single season is 27. You have five games left. Are you thinking about the record? <laughs> um, yeah, I have to. Uh, can't lie. You know, the guys in the locker room uh, getting on me on that, saying, uh, hey, uh, we're going to have to get you, you know, eight more goals in this next five games. Make sure you break this record. Uh so myself, I look at it and say, oh, it's kind of impossible to do that. I'm going to need some hat tricks, which I've never had in my career ever. So, um, you know, we, we definitely, you know, if that's going to happen, we're going to have to be pushing it. Now, you are not the penalty taker for Columbus. And Columbus only has two penalties this entire season. Usually Iguain takes them. Is there a chance he might be the one to take penalties in the last few games here? Well, if we get one. If we get a penalty, then uh, I'm gonna have to whisper in uh, in Iguain's ears. And no, but he, I think he knows that at this moment. And everybody's like I say, everybody in the locker room and talking about it, saying uh, everything that happens now, we might even have you taking corner kicks and try to score from there. So <laughs> yeah, so uh, no, definitely. I mean, if we can get one, then um, maybe maybe I'll step up if I'm if I'm still on the field. Kai, the the crew, I think, are the second highest scoring team. Uh, in MLS, um, your your numbers. I mean, you you you've been good for double digits before in your career, but nothing like this. What is it about this Columbus team? Is it is it Burhalter? Is it the guys playing behind you? Is it are the Chipotle's in Columbus better than in Kansas City? What is it about this team that's put you in position to finish like this? Oh, it's it's all of the above, really. Um, the 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 system we're playing is such a good system, and. Uh, when you have, you know, young guys that abide by the rules, abide by the system, and, you know, the coach is implementing this really good system, injecting his DNA into everybody around here, um, it's working. You know, the guys are playing well. 
and uh, everybody really knows their role and know what we have to do. And for me, coming in here, uh, coach told me in the beginning, you know, what my role is, is staying in the box. You know, I get frustrated and not getting as many touches as I would like to, but uh, I end up scoring a decent amount of goals, so I can't really complain too much because he's like, I told you, just stay in the box, and uh, the guy's going to do their job, ball's going to go wide, and uh, we're going to put it in the box for you. And that's where you're dominant, so just keep doing that. You've played for two of the sort of the, I don't know what you'd call it. I mean, Greg Berhalter and Peter Vermees are sort of two of the up-and-coming next-generation coaches, right? Guys who played in MLS who are now well-respected and very well could be on to bigger and better things in their careers as well. Uh, give us a sense of what these two guys are like, uh, how they're similar, how they're different. Yeah, it's uh, they're, they're two guys with really good vision of the game. You know, it's not two guys that's coming into the game and just um, want to play kickball. And being in Kansas City, um, I played wide, and uh, Peter definitely had the, his vision over there and playing, you know, very attacking and very high-pressing game. Don't let a team get a sniff of, you know, of the ball when we do lose the ball up front because the closest we win the ball to goal, you know, the the easier it is to get to goal. And uh, it took us a while to really, you know, get everything down. But when we did, I mean, everybody saw the records in Kansas City where we were going, I don't know, 13, 15 games unbeaten and playing really well. And uh, obviously, you know, they went ahead to win a championship because of everything that was going on there. And he had a really good personnel and players and everyone uh, to go by the same, again, the same rules and same style that he wants to play. And coming over here, I mean, that's the same thing I've seen, you know, in the coach in Berhalter. We spoke before I came over and just everything he talked to me about, even before the rebranding when they told me what was going on. So it kind of just, you know, was like a light bulb in my head again saying, wow, this could be the same thing that happened in, in Kansas. So I was really excited to come over and join the whole rebranding and, you know, changing something for Columbus and going forward. And uh, when we were in preseason, I can see, or even before preseason, when I came over and they were in the playoffs last year, I can see the style of play. And uh, I just was hoping that I'll be able to score this many goals for them because that's what they were missing. And that's what they kept telling me. So um, style of play is great. He's, he has a vision of the game. He wants to play possession. It's different from a lot of coaches. I mean, I've played in England also. It's different to really see coaches that just believes in knocking the ball. Um, I would say, hey, just kick the ball up front. They say, no, just keep knocking it. Keep knocking it. We will find our little gaps. And uh, it works. Kai, of your 20 MLS goals this season, 19 have come on the first touch. Now, I don't know what the, the league average is on that, but my guess is it's lower than 19 out of 20. What does that say? Again, just uh, the, <laughs> the thing that Berhalter told me in the beginning, just stay in the box. The balls are going to come. And uh, if I'm in the box, I don't think I need that many touches in the box. Uh, yeah, there was... Only one that I took uh, extra touch to bring the ball down. But um, great, great service from the guys. I mean, Ethan Finley, uh, maybe 13 of us assists. Maybe I have 12 of them. Yeah. So he puts the ball perfectly to me and going to Wayland Francis. And uh, just the last game, we played two goals in uh, Philadelphia. You know, it was really good vision from Harrison Afu, our new addition. And uh, just those things. If I can stay in the box, I, you know, I don't think I need extra touches you know um, usually maybe I've scored some goals outside the box or dribble but this time of this, this time over here in Kent and in Columbus I, I haven't needed any of that and uh, if I keep scoring goals off one touches I'm fine 
you're from Sierra Leone, Kai. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, but it seems like everywhere you've gone, whether it's Kansas City, Columbus, England, you've made yourself at home. What are the keys to being able to do that? Ah, just being happy, really. You know, just really being happy. I mean, I'm from, I'm coming from Sierra Leone. I've lived in the U.S. for for a long while now, but everywhere I play, I just want to feel at home. I just want to feel, you know, feel like a, like I have a family by me. And uh, going to Kansas City, that's definitely what you know Kansas City gave to me. It was great. I was able to connect with the fans and everybody around, the front office staff, and uh, all that. And I felt really, really connected to everybody there. So it was really good. And uh, I mean, it's the same here. Coming over here, and I have my family, uh, my wife and my daughter, and uh, it's it's just it's just amazing when you can just when you're happy, you know, off the field, it's gonna translate on the field. And me, I'm just. Somebody I love to connect with people and uh, being able to do that off the field really does help me when I'm on the field because when I'm on the field, I want to make these people proud. I want to represent, you know, these people that I'm playing for. I want to make sure that they're happy. And uh, that's that's just part of me. Kai, why do you think everything you've described? I remember having coffee with you in Kansas City after the uh, U.S. Open Cup win. And uh, we, we talked a lot about that and and and. This is a subject that that I'm really fascinated in, not only in terms of the way you've adapted and, and, and found ways to be happy, but in the way so many American players have either succeeded or failed to do that when they go abroad. I'm, I'm curious, after your, I guess, year and a half in England, um, you, know, you hear a lot of U.S. guys talk about how the locker room vibe is different over there. It's a bit more of a business. It's a bit more cutthroat. They don't feel like relationships are as strong. Um, did, did you sense any of that over there? Did, did, did your Americanness sort of come out in some ways where maybe you felt uh, a little bit different or a little bit disconnected? Uh, or, or did you not find that and you found that sort of the vibe inside a locker room was, was, was very similar to what you were used to? No, yeah, right. I'm going to uh, have to agree with that. I mean, uh, it's really great to go overseas to play. Um, the U.S. is definitely different. You know, people are saying um some of us americans are spoiled we just want to be in america um and feel at home but i mean who doesn't want to be at home you know i mean there's a lot of brazilian players that go play in other countries you know whether it's spain or italy and after a while you hear them going back to brazil because they're not happy you know they want to be you know they want to be happy again and uh we want to play at the highest level and everybody wants to play at the highest level but if it's something that you're used to and something that makes you happy, then you want to stick to that. I mean, I, being over in, in England, it's, it's, it's great. But like you say, again, it's the business part of it. It's the main focus, you know. You try to, you know, be friends with a lot of people around you that you play with, but over there, there's not much of that. You know, everybody is just coming in to do their job and uh, get back home. Um, and here, we I feel like we kind of really build a family you know, around whatever team it is, like just being here in Columbus, yeah, this, I mean, I'm new to the team, but there's a lot of guys that are so connected and so together. Or just an example, giving you um, uh, Matt Beasler and Graham Zussi, you know. These guys, uh, Graham Zussi used to live with Matt Beasler, you know, at their house or the basement, garage, uh, for so long. And, I mean, look at their career these days and, you know, look where they've come and where they're at now. But it's all because of the U.S. system going into college and coming out of college, you know, and uh, getting whatever it was, you know, you're getting paid and all that, but you're still grinding it. But over there and overseas, I mean, you're coming out 
and uh, you're already making big money. And the next minute, I mean, you don't really care for so many people around you because you only care about how much more money you can make. So um, it does really, you know, train us around here to be humble and uh, to really work for it a lot more. Does going over and coming back give you a different perspective on what guys from Europe kind of may encounter when they come over here? I mean, it's always interesting. I mean, we're all wondering if Frank Lampard and, and Andrea Pirlo are going to adjust. We saw Jermaine Defoe fail to adjust. And, and then we've seen guys like, like Robbie Keane and Sebastian Javinko just come in and, and fit in seamlessly. Do you, do you have a different perspective on what these guys go through uh, when they come over here after your experience? Yeah, it's it's it's. Am I going to get an angry letter from from NYCFC now? Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. No, no, no. Not to, not to put not to put some of the guys down, but I mean, it shows that you know this league is is a competitive league. I mean, there's been a lot of other players that's come by and you know and didn't didn't last in the league as much. Um, but it's it's all about these are the guys that stick, sticking in here and doing well, or you know, really good professionals and. Uh, coming in here and accepting the fact that it's not just going to be a walkabout thinking, you know, it's a retire, it's a retirement league and coming over here and just, you know, kind of go by because like one, the traveling is different. And uh, that's what a lot of players, a lot of people talk about is, you know, coming into America and you guys have to fly everywhere. And like, yeah, us is big wise overseas over there. It's you just bust, you bust the places. And uh, some of the players maybe didn't think, the league is that athletic, the league is that good because of what they see on TV sometimes. But then now, you know, they're here and, you know, they're paying a lot more respect to the league. And, for example, David Beckham being here and knowing the fact that, you know, he came in with an injury for a little bit and then the next minute, I mean, he really started playing because he really wanted to win something. And it's not that easy. Same goes for, you know, Thierry Henry decided, you know, it's a good league and I'm really going to, you know, prove myself and still keep doing well. You know, because, you know, instead of losing you know, credit, credibility for themselves. So the other guys, I mean, maybe they don't look at it the same way. And yeah, I don't want to put them down. Everybody does their own things a different way. But this league, it's not, you know, a league where people can come, up, come over and say, well, I'm just coming over to retire. It's not, you know, Qatar or China or any one of those. Kai, you're from Sierra Leone. You have this remarkable life story. I'd suggest everyone watch the MLS Insider video from last week that details Kai's story uh, growing up in a war-torn country, being a refugee, coming to the United States at a, at a pretty young age. Do you ever look back at your own personal story and wonder how you made it from Sierra Leone to where you are now? Uh, yes, yes. I... Uh, I'm just I'm I'm really really blessed to be here doing this interview with you guys and I mean being back in Columbus for the second time just yeah it's I mean I I left Sierra Leone at 14 and moved to the Gambia for a, a little bit and then came to the US at 16 and just started going to school people said did you come to the US to to play soccer and I said no I just came to the US to join my mom and I was going to school, and then I saw MLS on TV, and I just said, I want to play in the MLS. And they said, well, you have to go to college. And I said, fine. And I remember my mom telling me that I don't have money to pay for your school if you have to go to college, so we have to send you to a community college, um, El Camino Community College in L.A. And I said, uh, no, I think I really want to go to a bigger school than that. And uh, just going through everything that I needed to go to college and – knowing, you know, I have to keep up my grades and 
financial aid and all these things. And I was able to do that. And I told her, you know, I got enough of this and I'm going to go to Cal State Dominguez Hills. And, you know, she was really proud. And being at Cal State Dominguez Hills was, you know, the time that they started building the Home Depot Center, Galaxy Stadium. And uh, that was also something I saw. I said, well, fine, this is the perfect place for me. I'm going to go here and I'm going to play in MLS. And, uh, you know, good to have Ziggy around. And uh, Ziggy would invite me over to train with the Galaxy when I was playing at uh, Dominguez. And uh, it was amazing. And also Bob Bradley with Chivas USA. So they both invited me over. I played there a couple of years and so blessed, you know. And they told me to get into the draft. And the next minute, Ziggy drafted me to Columbus. I mean, it's... It's been it's been it's been many years, but it feels like you know this was just last week. So I'm just I'm just really blessed to be here, and uh, I it's something I really really you know envision, and I really work really hard to be here today, and that's why you know I enjoy every minute when I'm on that field. You know I show where I come from, Sierra Leone, I come from Kenema, and uh, you know I try to go back home and help a lot. You know with the kids out there and just show them. I mean, it's really tough for them to have the same, you know, success saying that I have today, but they envision the same thing. Most of them want to be a professional soccer player, just like me. And they change their names to Kai these days when I go back home and I tell them to please keep their names because they all want to be like me. But, you know, it's, it's a, it's a dream. It's a dream comes true. And I, and I hope most of them, you know, get to uh, fulfill their dreams too. You're still playing for the Sierra Leone national team. Another MLS player, Mike LaHood, has done that as well. Uh, you and Mike have, have raised money to build a school in Sierra Leone, right? It just opened last Monday. Is there a story behind that? Yes, yes. Um, we, uh, Mike LaHood, I met Mike LaHood a, a while back when he was playing for Chivas USA. And knowing he was from Sierra Leone, he moved to the U.S. at a very early age, I think the age of five. And uh, schools for Salon. Um, this organization goes to Sierra Leone, built schools in little towns, little villages, and uh, they approached us about building schools, which was, um, I didn't, you know, I just said yes. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I just told them yes. They said between uh, $50,000 and $75,000 what it was going to take. And I said, fine. And also uh, Bill Hamid, who also, you know, well, has a Sierra Leone background. So all of us was trying to build our own schools. And when me and Mike started playing for the national team, we sat one day and said, why don't we just, you know, collaborate on all the money we've been raising so we can just uh, make it to one school. And uh, to say all that's been done and, you know, the school is finally up and running. Last Monday was the kids' first day of school. I mean, it's, it's amazing, you know, for us to say that we've done that. And, uh, I mean, it's not going to stop there. Uh, we talk all the time. He's sending a lot of stuff um, that he's collected in Philadelphia to Sierra Leone in uh, this December. So um, it's it's good, and we're still going to keep working and keep helping there. It's awesome. Uh, Mike, Mike is from my uh, my area in Fairfax, Virginia. We actually went to the same high school, not at the same time, of course. Uh, oh, wow. But it's an awesome story. Um, uh, World Cup qualifying starts right next month for you. Your your World Cup begins, and you're going to get a chance to to do what every player. Uh, dreams of doing which is you know playing for your country in, in the biggest competition in the world you guys play chad i believe in a home and home and you know it's going to be quick right i think you have two games and you're either you're either through or you're out so what, what what's the pressure like what's the anticipation the excitement what what's what's ahead for you there 
Yeah, it's 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 great again to go into World Cup qualifying. I mean, we've been there before. We've done well, and it's always you know tough for us in this group of the qualification. And now you know really to have all this Ebola problem that we've been having and not being able to play games in Sierra Leone, it's been you know really difficult for us. And uh, yes, we're playing Chad uh, in the next game here, um, which we don't know where our home game is going to be. We just played. Hey, sorry, that's my baby. <laughs> she, she you, don't, wait, you, don't, you don't know where your home game next month is going to be? No, we don't. I mean, wow. we, we just played our recent game in Nigeria. Nigeria decided to host us uh, to play against Ivory Coast in the African Cup of Nation qualifiers. So we're, we're just shopping around to find a home uh, to play our home games. So it's, you know, preparation is really, really difficult and has really hurt our national team. And uh, so, you know, going into the next month's game, uh, we don't, again, we don't really know what's going to happen or what everything is, how the preparation has been done. You know, probably two weeks out is when we're going to find out. So we're just... There's, there's good mojo at Crew Stadium. <laughs> we're just waiting to see. I know. It would be amazing just to uh, <laughs> tell them to bring him over here. Yeah. Last question for me. I'm I, Something else I've been curious about. A lot of times when you talk to guys who've been abroad and, and they tell you about... Um, you know, the interest in, 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 in foreign players in MLS. And, and I, I was actually just uh, talking to a guy in the national team who, who plays abroad and said, yeah, you know, they all want to come to New York. They all want to come to L.A. And we sort of joked and like, yeah, no one ever says I want to go to Columbus. You know, no one ever says I want to go to Kansas City. And so, you know, we joke about playing at Crew Stadium. But but how, how would you, you you've made a home and made a career and 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 become really sort of well known and well liked in in two cities that are kind of overlooked i guess um how, how would you sell or or pitch uh playing in a in a market like columbus for a club like the crew or or kansas city uh to a guy you know from from your national team or or from middlesbrough or something like that what can be special about playing in in these cities as opposed to just focusing on the, the LAs and the new yorks that kind of thing yeah, that's a uh, that's 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 a great question, really. Um, and uh, it's 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 different, you know. For me, I have to say, it, it all it all uh, goes back to where I come from. You know, I come from Kenema, Sierra Leone, where there's only 150,000 people over there. I might, you know, I come across in the social media as being really out there, being really, you know, crazy and and doing all these wild things. But when it comes down to it, I love being in a in a, in a town, in a city like this, where it's just not too much distraction. And uh, being in, in England, there was a lot of players asking, you know, about coming to MLS. And everybody wants to come to MLS these days. And even when, since I've been back, there's a lot of guys have called say, how's this town? How's this city? How's this city? You know, they call me and, you know, a few of them have made their way over. And I just, I tell them plain, you know, can I know some of the guys and I know what their lives are like? And I said, you know, Chicago would be a good place for you or L.A. or New York would be a good place for you. And the people that, you know, I'll see them coming to Columbus or Kansas City um, are people that's more reserved, you know, family person. And, you know, we love to connect with the, the, the fans because in these places, the fans that you're going to have are more... Uh, they're more family oriented and, you know, they come to the, to the games where, you know, a family of four or five and those people are the people that you're going to connect with. And those people are the ones that I'm, I, I love connecting with, you know, I love saying hello to the kids and, you know, knowing some of the kids names and knowing, you know, most of these fans, you, you get so close to them, you know, and say to the big cities, I mean, don't, 
not taking anything from them. You know, the L.A., the New York, you know, Chicago. There's so much distractions in those places. And, you know, people, I feel like, you know, even for some of those teams, it's more about the business than really about, you know, connecting with the clubs. So, um, and that's that's the difference, you know, that I saw when I was in Kansas City. You know, everything that happened in Kansas City from being there in 2009, from going to the Wizards to Sporting, I mean, you can see the fans are the one that really made that team what the team is today. And uh, being over here, that's the same vision. That's the same thing we're seeing. The fans, we're connecting so much with the fans, and the fans are making, you know, a lot of things happen for us. And those are the towns that, you know, that's how you can describe it to some of these guys that want to come over. It's all about if you want to connect with the fans a lot more or, you know, if you want to be in L.A. and go, you know, hang out in Hollywood every day, you can do that. Kai, you mentioned Ebola, and obviously it's had such a big impact on Sierra Leone and, and a couple other countries in West Africa. You and I have talked about uh, a little bit of the work that my wife's done as a doctor going to Guinea uh, to treat Ebola. Uh, she almost went to Kenema, actually, uh, in Sierra Leone. How has Ebola had an impact on you and, and the people you know, and, um, and where are things now with the situation over there? Yes, it's uh, a first uh, say again, thank you very much to your wife for all she has done, even though it's not in Sierra Leone, but still just to help, you know, um, the epidemic of Ebola around uh, the country, around, you know, Guinea and just West Africa, period. So tell her thank you. Will do. Yeah. And uh, just, I mean, last, uh, when the Ebola started, one of the games we played was in DR Congo. And, uh, the history of Ebola said it actually came from DR Congo and there's a Ebola river over there. And that's how the name Ebola, you know, was given to the disease. And I captained that game for Sierra Leone playing in DR Congo. And to just say the way um, the people reacted to us when we were there, even though none of us played in Sierra Leone, most of us came from, we were playing in overseas and went to go play that game and we were quarantined. We were locked in the, in the in the hotel rooms and saying we can't even leave the hotel and we're having you know uh, medics come over and checking us three times a day and which you know being being checked is not bad but being treated as you know an Ebola victim it was really really it was hard and going into the field and to play this game and maybe it was about twenty thousand people maybe twenty five thousand people and the whole stadium just screaming at us Ebola Ebola I mean it really hurt it was really bad. Um, so we looked at all that and saying, you know, we're not just playing just this game anymore. We've always tried to represent Sierra Leone in a good way, but, you know, we've always been, Sierra Leone has always been known for whether it's, you know, the war blood diamond and now all of a sudden it's Ebola. And, uh, as players, you know, we really try to represent the country really well and really try to, you know, change a lot of things through soccer. You know, it's really, really hard, but, uh, you know, to say now the, the cases of Ebola, it's really, you know, um, limit itself and uh, we were in a countdown actually for to go in the Ebola free zone which you know there was a few more cases that was brought up but you know having just a couple cases is a lot better than what it was before in hundreds of um, of um, of patients so I can say to to this day it's it's getting better it's not all gone yet but it's getting better my last question I guess is as it has gotten better how soon do you think Sierra Leone's national team might be able to play a home game in Sierra Leone again? And uh, what will that be like for you to be a part of that? Oh, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be amazing. I just know that 
the first game that we'll have in Sierra Leone. It would just be out of control. I mean, we've played games there before. And uh, and actually, one of my uh, movies that I did with, with the guys from the guys from Copper Putt, they showed one of the games in uh, Egypt game, and it was just it was a madness. People were just all over the place going crazy, and I can just you know vision the same thing happening again. But you know, for us, really, it's for me, it's really just know that the country you know can go 140, I think 140 or. No, actually, I think it's it's just 42 days Ebola free if we can do that, and uh, just for everybody just to be at peace again and not to worry about those things. So it'll be really, really great because I'm looking to to go back home and see my family, and I would love to go back home and see my family, come back to the U.S. and knowing that I'm not going to be quarantined for you know 21 days and all those things. Kai, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck the rest of the season. Thank you, Kai. Look forward to seeing you in uh, here in D.C. this weekend. Thank you guys very much. Thank and you. don't don't open any packages from Wanda or BWP over the next few weeks, okay? Sounds great. The Champions League is back in action, and so is the NFL. It seems like everybody you know is playing fantasy football, and if you missed out on a preseason draft, FanDuel has you covered. Now you can play with up to $200 in bonus cash with our code PLANET on FanDuel.com. You've probably heard of FanDuel somewhere before, and here's what it's all about. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. They will pay out over $75 million a week this football season. Look, we all love fantasy football, but a lot of fans miss out because the whole season is just too much of a time commitment. FanDuel does away with that. You can draft a team anytime and drop into tournaments for weekly cash prizes. Entry fees start at just $1, and there's a league for everyone. Week 2 NFL games are already live in the FanDuel lobby, so you don't have to wait another day to start building your teams. Over 1 million players have won money playing fantasy sports on FanDuel, and now it's your turn. So go to FanDuel.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, and use the code PLANET to sign up now. There's a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. The offer is only good for the first 50 people that use our code PLANET today, so don't get left out. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Try it out today. All right, welcome back. Uh, thanks again to to Kai Kamara and Child for uh, for joining us um, on this week's podcast. That was that was a great interview. Really thoughtful guy, uh, and and really cool to to hear a lot of the things he had to say. Um, I'm going to switch gears now and talk about Concacaf because they never fail to out Concacaf themselves. Uh, a month out of this USA Mexico game, Grant, they require uh, preliminary rosters from USA. And Mexico, which makes uh, no sense, a little sense. I what would what, you I actually got an explanation for this from CONCACAF. They said that because this is viewed as an extension of the Gold Cup, that they kept the same rule that they have for the Gold Cup. Now, what I don't get is why it's there for the Gold Cup or for this event, because all you're doing is tying the hands of a national team coach and preventing your own tournament from having potentially the best players possible because you have no idea who's going to get hurt in the interim. We have weeks to go before this game. And now 
we know that Klinsman and uh, Tuca Ferretti, they have to pick from this list of 35, no matter how many guys are injured or how many guys might get better. Like a, a Breck Shea, he's not on this list, but if he had a couple more weeks, he just came back, Klinsman might have picked him. Uh, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it it just doesn't seem practical at all to say that this game is an extension of the Gold Cup is is ludicrous to me too. I mean, it's because of the Gold Cup, sure, but like the Confederations Cup isn't an extension of the Concacaf Cup. I don't think. Anyway, Brian, what would you what do you think about this nonsense? I I agree. It's stupid. Um, and and all of it bothers me. All of the trappings around this game bother me. This is not an extension of the Gold Cup. There shouldn't be a name. There shouldn't be a trophy. Just put the two teams out on the field for 90 minutes. Have them play. The winner gets to go to the Confederations Cup. This is not to treat this as a as a competition, either as an extension of a former competition or one unto itself is absurd. It's pointless. It's window dressing that's not required. Um, so, yeah, it, it all kind of bothers me. And, and I mean, I guess looking at the roster, uh, you know, it is interesting to see uh, Jordan Morris uh, on the 35-man team. The fact that Klinsman is, either, is even considering uh, bringing him up uh, which I suppose would only be necessitated if 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 Dempsey and then perhaps Altador, uh, you know, are are unfit and 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 you know Bobby Wood gets hit by a blimp or or, or something horrible happens. Um, but the fact that he's even considering it sort of lets you know that you know the Olympics is great and it'd be fun to get there. But you know this is really the game Klinsman uh, has to win, and and I think he feels pressure a little bit, perhaps uh, for the first time in his uh, in his tenure. But yeah, I mean a lot of familiar names. He's not bringing in the 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 Legettes and the Fail Harbors and and all these guys. I mean, this is not the time to experiment or introduce new blood. And and that was very clear uh, from the list he announced yesterday. It's too bad this is audio only because if it, if we're video, uh, we could have an animation of a blimp hitting Bobby Wood. I don't know where I, that came, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I'm I'm I, I need I need to. I need some Freudian examination to figure out where that came from. All the best, all the best to Bobby Wood and the world's blimps. <laughs> I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, we know who, who these teams are going to be for the most part, right? I mean, we, we've got a good idea of, of who the top 23 are. Uh, Mexico only named 32 on their preliminary roster. The fact that both those Santos brothers are on there makes you think that whatever kept them out of September, uh, you know, neither was hurt. Um, that's That's been dealt with and, and they'll be there. Uh, just the fact that like nobody would have said anything if there wasn't this, you know, this necessitation by CONCACAF to do that. Nobody would have thought anything else. And now they're just going out of their way to, to kind of handcuff these coaches. Like you said, Giving us all extra work. Oh, by the way, one <laughs> funny thing is that after spending several days uh, telling all of us that Fabian Johnson is his first choice, uh, one of his first choice outside backs, uh, Johnson is listed as a midfielder. on this <laughs> <I saw> that. <laughs> I think that's really funny. Classic. Classic. Uh, yeah, gotta love it. Um, we're gonna take another real quick break and then come back and wrap up uh, with some LAFC millennial talk uh, and then get us on out of here. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you guys about the best new way to find an amazing deal on football tickets or football tickets the SeatGeek app. And when you use our code PLANET, you'll get $20 off your first ticket buy. The SeatGeek app takes less than a minute to download, and it's free on iPhone and Android smartphones. SeatGeek does a ton of things that other ticketing sites don't, such as aggregating from big ticket sites. 
Just like when you search for flights and hotels online, SeatGeek pulls in ticket options from hundreds of sellers to create a one-stop shop for sports and concert tickets. When you shop on SeatGeek, you're seeing virtually every ticket option available for that game all on one page. No need to go anywhere else. They also have this great feature called Deal Score. It ranks every ticket on the market with a 1 to 100 value score and plots the best deals on a color-coded interactive map of the venue so you can easily identify the best ticket values in the building at a glance. Finally, SeatGeek's mobile app makes the ticket buying process seamless, easy, and safe. On SeatGeek, you can store your credit card, and once you find a ticket you want to buy, you can complete the purchase with just two quick taps. There's no faster way to buy tickets. To redeem your promo code and save $20 on tickets, download the free SeatGeek app today, enter our promo code PLANET in the app, and SeatGeek will then send you $20 once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase. If you want to go see MLS matches, the NFL, college football, or the best concerts, use the SeatGeek app and enter our code PLANET to save $20. Welcome back. Uh, guys, we want to finish with some talk about LAFC, and that will be their official name. They announced that the Los Angeles Football Club, after I, I didn't really consider that they were going to go another way, but hey, there's an announcement. What I found interesting in that announcement is that they committed to, to putting in writing that they're going to be starting play in 2018. Uh, originally, it was going to be 2017. Then, you know, with stadium delays, you never know if it's going to be 2019, but they say 2018, so we're going to hold them to that and see if that actually happens. Um, but Grant, this uh, this is a team that in the the LA Times, they are the, the team of the millennials, if you will. <laughs> That's what they are uh, trying to come off as. Uh, they've hired a staff that is saying that they're trying to appeal to millennials. I follow the LASC Twitter, um, and I, I do speak to millennials, not in a sort of anthropological way, but at least, you know, I actually am friends with a couple. Uh, and uh, their sense is, at least the soccer ones I know, that they don't really like much about what LAFC is doing here with millennials, uh, that their strategy seems to be um, trying too hard, basically. Um, and that if you say you're going after millennials, that probably is a problem in itself, and you're trying to make it that be what you're putting out. Uh, I don't know their social media staff, uh, their creative director at LAFC. I do know their ownership. I've met Henry Wynn, Tom Penn, Mia Hamm. I've talked to all of them about um, what they're doing. And they sound really good. That, that's really encouraging when they talk about their stadium and all the plans they have. And, and I just wonder if they are sort of committing something that we see, I think, fairly often on social media, which is people, organizations coming off on social media in a way that is not the way they intend or uh, isn't a reflection of who they are. And I think LAFC has some time to sort of rectify this. But right now, I would much rather, and I'm not a millennial, uh, I'd much rather have the vision that I got from their ownership than what I'm seeing on social media. There's just like a, a weird disconnect, I feel like. There's that uh, that job posting a little ways back about someone that needs to be able to bring it in the boardroom and on the street. And I just yeah. like, what? Are you, what? Not grown. And, this, uh, this, this quote from the story, uh, what is it? Um, uh, we're going to be big into music, art, and fashion, the design <laughs> aesthetic. You know, their, their, their marketing staff from this story, they worked for YouTube, they married to an actress, TMZ, uh, Apple. 
nowhere is there anything about soccer. And again, I'm and I'm also like Grant. I am a, a, a born smack in the middle of Generation X, so I clearly am, am not hip enough or 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 online enough or whatever. You know, I I don't understand millennials. I don't own a fedora. I'm sorry. Um, but there's nothing authentic about this. Uh, having having marketers uh, craft a, a a prefab message to millennials is the opposite of authentic. And we hear this word over and over and over when these new clubs come aboard. They want to be authentic. Well, I have news for them. Authentic is not co-opting someone else's culture, whether it's a generational culture, whether it's someone else's soccer culture, whether it's the colors used by six other teams in MLS, whether it's the name used by six other teams in MLS. That's the opposite of authentic. So, you know, if, if Grant's getting good vibes from the ownership, uh, there, there's a bit of a disconnect there that concerns me. Can I just go on a mini rant about the use of the term authentic? It might be my least favorite term in the soccer world, especially in the United States, because I see it used everywhere. And usually what it means is something absurd is about to be said. Now, we often see it when television executives talk about authentic voices for soccer, which tends to mean like a code for British accents, which to me is not necessarily authentic. Actually, if you're talking about the United States, a Spanish accent would probably be more authentic than a British accent when it comes to the sport of soccer. Rant over. <laughs> uh, if, if there's a word that I would like to, to kick to the curb a little more than that, it might be millennial. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's interesting to me is that, is that and, and, and some people will not like to hear this perhaps, but the most authentic brands in, in MLS are the Cascadia brands? They are, and 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 the history is part of it. Um, and it's not necessarily other markets' fault that they that they you know they shouldn't necessarily be punished for not having that history. But I still think they can come up with an authentic brand and an authentic feel. The reason those brands are authentic is because they're of the place. Because Portland uses a, an axe and a, and a and a tree and a timber and the green and gold which are on the city flag and. And, you know, the, the, the sound, the Puget Sound, that's something of Seattle, the Whitecaps of Vancouver, the mountains and all that sort of thing. I mean, these are things that connect solely and uniquely to the place. Picking FC or picking United or picking these colors that, you know, every team in MLS is going to be called United or FC. They're all going to wear all white or all red or all black uniforms. And then they're going to come to us and try to tell us that the single entity doesn't exist. Um, so... <laughs> You know, I realize that sometimes we think Seattle, Portland, and Vancouver think a bit highly of themselves, but in this case, they understood that picking something that reflects you and not reflects what did what did uh what did Nguyen say? Something about authentic to world football. You're not you're not you're not representing the world. You're representing your city. And a lot of these teams need to try to do that a bit better. So here's a question, Brian, because I, I trust you on your thoughts on branding because you get it. Uh would LA Aztecs have been a preferable name to LAFC. It's interesting because uh, as a Washingtonian, I'm sort of very sensitive to the argument about about Washington Redskins um, and whether or not that's appropriate. And and I, I I would leave that up to you know I would leave that up to to people of 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 Mexican descent, Native descent, Aztec descent. To, I think Aztec is is there's no like pejorative though with Aztec like no the way there's not but 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 I realize but I also realize it's an issue for some people regardless that 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 you know 
ethnic or, or national groups shouldn't be used as, as mm. mascots. So, I mean, I would, I would sort of maybe leave it to them, but, but I mean, if they were okay with it, yes, it would be better because you couldn't call a team the Columbus Aztecs. That would be absurd. Just a little so, background on that. The Aztecs were the NASL yeah, name so, back from the 70s so, so, as the Sounders and Timbers were as well. When, as I wrote when, when, when writing about Atlanta United, if your name can be used by every city, if every single city can use your name and your colors, then to say that it speaks to your city makes no sense to me. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if LAFC debuts in 2018 with Cristiano Ronaldo and Wayne Rooney, I don't think a lot of people are going to really care all that much. Well, you know, well, all that matters is that millennials care. That's all that matters. And that there's an awesome fashion show to kick off their debut game. Um, cool, guys. That was uh, an interesting podcast. Not our not our usual right down Main Street, a little, little detour left and right, but that was good. Good talk. Um, we'll be back at it. Next week, again, uh, a lot of big MLS games going on this weekend. Obviously, the playoff race is, is heating up. Champions League is underway. Both Manchester clubs are already licking some wounds. Um, that was not a Luke Shaw pun. I, we obviously hope that he gets better soon. That was a disgusting injury. Um, but, hey, lots going on. Season's in full swing. And uh, with that, I want to thank Grant Wall, Brian Strauss, Kai Kamara, producer Alex Abno, Sayamabi Creditor. We'll talk to you guys next week. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.